I'm not going to say anything. I'm still here. I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> I actually thought you'd left. I was about to give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess we're doing something else today. <laughs> I quit. Good day, sir. Good morning slash nighttime. Robert. Nighttime. The perpetual day has ended. <laughs> Finally, I could sleep. It's been weeks. <laughs> but at least we're famous. It's fine. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, I'm just chilling. It's uh, in the middle of a snowstorm. It's pretty chill. Oh, like a genuine snowstorm? Yeah, it's uh, supposedly, if we get tonight what is predicted, it'll be the most snow in a single day in recorded Boston history. Wow. That's more snow than we have. That I would imagine, so, <laughs> being that you are in the opposite side of the planet. No, no, no. Remember, we're still close to the center of the sun. Oh, right. So even further away than the opposite side of the planet. Oh, so far. That's awesome. That's a lot of snow. Is it ditching down now? I took the dog out and there was a bit of snow on the ground and it was sort of like windy ice snow, but we'll see if it changes to fine snow. I was going to say, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's awful. Poor dog had to poop in the windy ice snow. <laughs> Pooping in the windy ice snow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what filleth thy cup, Sir Lloyd? Well, you know, it's Guinness. <laughs> Your stories are getting shitter. Yeah, I couldn't uh, think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit upsetting, I guess. Upsetting? I happen to be comforted by reliability and Constance. <laughs> Who's Constance? <laughs> Your maid? Constance is what I call my Guinness. <laughs> it's getting bad. What oh, what are you putting in your body this evening? Uh, tonight. <laughs> what haven't I put in my body this evening? Hmm. Is that a shorter list? <laughs> yes. It's been a long day. No, tonight I've gone, I'm kicking it old school and representing the great state of Western Australia with an emu export lager. Really? <laughs> yeah, straight up. You're drinking an emu? <laughs> yes, sir. I would never have guessed that in a thousand years. Uh, well. Uh, Isn't it basically just like pee water? No, hey, it's actually not bad when it's really cold. Uh, like right. pee, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I mean, I imagine. I always just held it to the same standards as Bud Light. Just kind of like oh, cheap. No, it's way better beer. than Bud Light. Oh, all right, fair it's 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 okay. I my wife M's stepbrother for Christmas got me a box of fancy beers because uh, within their family I am the person that drinks weird fancy beers. Uh, and in that's the box, what I got you for Christmas uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and in in the box he chucked in a, an, an export for for giggles. It's, and so here I am drinking giggly. it. That is that giggly. Is. Uh, yeah, look, it's all right. Rob, I'm going to do something that may not have ever been done before. Oh, like I'm going to introduce the podcast. I'm going to remember. To introduce people to the podcast. Uh, I'm I actually going to say the name of it. I quit again. Everyone, welcome <laughs> to the Unintelligent Chat Show podcast. Oh, yeah. That felt weird just saying it. That is weird. We should start again. Yeah. Hi, Rob. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, look, let's plow on. Done the drinks. We know you're in snowy Boston and I'm representing the great state of Western Australia from the center of the sun. Do you want to know how far it is? I would love to know how far it is, but I'd love to know in a really, really easy to verify and comprehend way. 
Oh my god, not Lloyd. verify. What ver- like I can verify two thousand Mount Everest <laughs> from the last episode. What a stupid word to say. No, nah, verify sounds correct. You're gonna you're gonna check. You're gonna get whatever I tell you it is and, and check. <laughs> All right, hit me hit me with the distance. I got a strong one. We we got elements of throwback. We got elements of segue, and we obviously have elements of distance. It's the trifecta, the triple whammy, triple threat. I love it. <laughs> no, Lloyd, triple whammy. <laughs> Wham away. Whammy. So, remember how we talked about that big old thick bitch of a snake? I do. The Titanoboa. Titanoboa. Guess how many Titanoboas could stretch between us? <laughs> like three? <laughs> no, it's like scarier than that. Because that's like, oh, three big snakes. We already know the snakes are big. But Lloyd, what if there was 1,460,546.87 of them? Oh, my God, we would be doomed. Yeah, and guess which point eight seven I brought? The big snaky head shins. to midsection. Ah, <laughs> uh, head shins. <laughs> the Titanoboa is head and then shins. That's it. <laughs> my favorite part about this is you've had to gene edit a Titanoboa to give it shins, and then oh, you've yeah. cut everything else off, so it's just shins now. Oh, and the head. It's only point eight seven five is shins, so the other part is head with the big snippy snap jaws. You're you're an evil genius with a very specific modus operandi. Yeah, distance. Giving people shins. So that's two of the traffic. <laughs> I gave Harrison Ford his shins. <laughs> <laughs> and he should be bloody thankful too. <laughs> yeah. So we've done distance. We've done a throwback to the Titanoboa. And now it's time for segue. Titanoboa was a big old snake. What'd you learn this week, Lloyd? I learned about... The cobra effect. Really <gasps> what a, good segue. What are cobras? Cobras are snakes. Ah, oh, we did it. God, I should have brought some party poppers. I was genuinely, for like half a second, you asked me what cobras were, and my brain was like, shit, what the fuck is a cobra? Isn't that like a car? Shelby Cobra. Oh, it's great. Actually, uh, fun fact, I think yesterday was the anniversary of the Shelby GT from 1965. Oh, oh that's a great fact. I almost shared a picture of it on our Twitter, but couldn't find a free image to use, so I didn't. <laughs> I just Googled it, though. So oh. beautiful. Mm. Mm. It's my, my, in my top three, for sure, if I could pick mm. favorite cars. Oh, 1965 Shelby Mustang sells for a record $3.85 million. Great. Uh, okay, cool. If we combine our $26, maybe we can make a bid. I'm pretty short this month, so I might only have 12 Uh Okay, well, forget about it. <laughs> At least I'm not pretty short all the time like you. <laughs> At least I don't have fucking gigantic ISIS. Gigantic ISIS? <laughs> now there's a terrorist organization <laughs> to be scared of. <laughs> uh, we're the same as regular ISIS, but you have to be six foot two to join. <laughs> That's not gigantic. That's like average ISIS. <laughs> They're all seven no, foot I, eight giants. The- ISIS people are small. Oh, should, should we be insulting them? I think they know we don't like them. I don't if- think that's news. They Wait big, a second. They have big hearts, though. Ooh. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me about the Cobra effect. That took a dark turn. <laughs> Doesn't it always? All right. I have the copied definition because it sounded better than anything I could write. Don't the say Cobra that. effect <laughs> refers to the unintended negative consequences of an incentive that was designed to improve society or individual well-being. Last five minutes, unintelligent chat show. Last 10 seconds. <laughs> Lloyd been real smart. Tell me more. It gets real boring. Uh, basically. <laughs> you just already told me that what you learned this week gets real boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, that bit was real boring. <laughs> okay. Basically, it is an example of it comes from 
the guy who that's such a bad sentence who's editing this episode <laughs> so the cobra effect was coined by horst siebert who was a german economist and it's based on the story from india during british colonial rule mm. they had a cobra infestation in <laughs> delhi and better they than thought, a titanoboa infestation <laughs> yes 1.4 million <laughs> titanoboas in delhi would be terrible why would you live there because <laughs> we put a flag, goddammit. <laughs> this is our, these are our stakes. <laughs> so the British government thought, I know what we'll do. We'll pay people to hunt cobras and that'll get rid of the problem. Great idea. And it did. There were less cobras in the city, uh, but then they kept getting more and more cobras submitted to them. They were like, where are you getting all these cobras from? <laughs> they did some searches and some raids and found a bunch of people were just breeding cobras and selling them because it was a stable source of income. <laughs> Genius. But then, because they realized that people were just breeding cobras and selling them, the British administrators were like, all right, well, we're just scrapping the program. And then all these people, burdened with lots of now worthless <laughs> cobras, simply released them back into the city, and there were more cobras than before. <laughs> I just love the way that like plays out as you read it. I think I, I, I read it off the same source as you, uh, and it's excellent. It's so good. It's an amazing story. Mm -mm. But... Mm -hmm. I'm going to quickly, I even wrote to this in capital letters on my notes, <laughs> say this before Rob interjects. Oh, fact check. <laughs> it's a fact check. Uh, <laughs> the story is probably not true. But we actually don't know for sure. We don't know. So it was described as ahistorical, which I had to Google, and it means um, <laughs> lacking historical context. We are learning a lot. Yeah. So it's not, it's not so outlandish that it, it couldn't be true. But there's no, like, documents that say it is true. Ahistorical has the word historical in it, so sounds That's, right you, to me. You're right. It's a historical event. <laughs> I should have read it like that. Damn yeah. it. So I looked up who Horst Siebert was. <laughs> I love that name. I did clarify that he was 10 years old when British colonial rule stopped in India. Mm -hmm. So not unrealistic that he could have spoken to someone with a story from that part of the world. But also, like... You could have got that story not firsthand. That's true. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that story still could have been pretty pre prevalent during his life. Yeah, sure. I looked up some other things about him, see if there's some interesting things oh, about German he, economist Horst Siebert. He's not an equine animal, is he? Not that I'm aware of. He is not called horse. It's Horst. Horst. <laughs> yeah, like past tense. Stop horsing around, to be a horse. Stop horsing around. <laughs> he has done nothing else of interest that I could find. This is, the, uh, this is all he's... All he's got. He was a pretty successful German economist and he coined this term. Like pretty, comma, successful. <laughs> or... <laughs> it's like that book, Pandas, Eats, Shoots and Leaves or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the importance of the comma or whatever it is. Yeah. He was a pretty important successful. economist. Oh. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he was as interesting as, I don't know why I expected a German economist to have an interesting <laughs> backstory. <laughs> There's nothing about his, well, his name's quite interesting, but the title. No, it just was like an anecdotal story that he published in like the one thing he published. Sounds like a failure to me. Yeah. Horst Siebert. He's dead, so we can talk shit about him. <laughs> I guess. Did you look up his family? Are they also all dead? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> if you're related to Horst Siebert and you listen to this podcast, get in touch. You're telling, I'm assuming they're going to be offended. You want them to reach out. I want to fight about it. 
This season's episode 10 special will be a live cage match between <laughs> Rob and Horace Siebert's 80-year-old widow. Horace? Horace? Horst. Horst Siebert's 80-year-old widow. When was this guy around? He died in 2003. Oh, really? Yeah. For some reason I thought he... Yeah, okay. Yeah, colonial rule ended later than I thought. It was like 1947 or something it ended. That's devastating for India. <laughs> Not sure that's how they feel about it. I think there's a lot of anti-British sentiment in India. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's devastating that it was so late. Not devastating oh, that I it ended. You- <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, not sure that's. Uh- yeah, God, okay. I wish we s- rule Britannia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Damn it! I miss the British Empire so I, much. <laughs> I thought it was way earlier than that. I was yes, wrong. Yes, as did I. As was I. <laughs> Always. So I tried to look up some other cool examples of the Cobra effect. But yeah. given that it is a economics term, it was mostly really boring, so boring, depressing energy and money stuff. Did you get any? I got a couple of like vaguely interesting ones. Uh, I got one about mice in France. <laughs> oh, it's like the same thing, right? It's exactly the same thing, but change Indians to French people and snakes to mice. <laughs> that, that's quite magical. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hit me, Thanks, hit me with what you found. So another example, a uni campus in your country of, not origin. Of, Wales. Yeah, yes. No. In, the, in America, there was a plasma donation center nearby. This is actually quite recent. It's a, it's a coronavirus example. Ooh. There was a plasma donation center nearby that pay a small fun, small sum. For each donation. They gave you a small fund every time you donated. <laughs> Just have a, have, a, have two minutes on that bouncy castle. It's like a yo-yo. <laughs> oh, that is a small fun. <laughs> or a Tamagotchi. Wow. Throwback strong episode. Throwback. So, you got a small sum for each donation, but a larger sum for COVID-19 convalescent plasma, which I assume they use for like research probably. So, I assume if you've had COVID, then there's something in your plasma that people can do science with. Oh, did people give themselves COVID? So, people were trying to get COVID in order to get more cash from donating plasma. That's so bad. Yeah, super dumb. And then another one in Oakland, California. The cops were doing a gun buyback and they were offering just like straight out of pocket 250 bucks for your guns. Uh, so, people were like cashing in their cheap, shitty guns for 250 bucks <laughs> and then going to buy better guns. <laughs> and apparently, someone like cleaned out a street of retirees of all the old weapons and then <laughs> brought them all back to the oh, buyback. God. And then the police department ran up this genuine debt because all these people were bringing in these guns. And that's just all stupid. Genius. So, when war breaks out, the police will be armed with these like rifle shooters. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't that the whole thing? America's so well-armed, it doesn't matter. Well, the populace is. That's who I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, fair enough. Those were the most exciting ones I found. You're, you're right. The rest is about economics, which sucks. Yeah. I'm sure, it's interesting if you understand it. If you are a horse. <laughs> if you used to be a horse. If you horsed, <laughs> then... <laughs> but there was there was a natural segue, Rob. To horses? Cobra facts. Oh, perfect. Yeah, hit me, hit me all about your... Co- co- tell me about the cobras. I was feeling really down about I couldn't find a good tag on. And then I was like, oh, my God, why don't you just research snakes? Lloyd. I did, and it was awesome. Yeah, sna- well, and also scary. So, the word cobra comes from the Portuguese cobra de capello, Ooh, which wow. means- Terrible accent. Which means hooded snake, which is way less cool than cobra de capello. Yes. Is that because they've got the little bits on the edge, which make them look scary, like a hood, yeah. I suppose. 
Which are actually ribs. What, like, fun fact. Like skeletal ribs? Yeah. Well, that is a fun fact. I didn't know that. Pretty cool. Why do they How have- many species? Nah, I don't know, up. Rob. Intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine actively growing your ribs for intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> How many species of cobra do you think there are? Ooh, okay. It's either like one or heaps. And I reckon it's 46. Look, you were pretty you were pretty close because there's between 28 and 270. <laughs> what do you mean between? So there's not a lot of consensus on what actually defines a cobra. So uh, is the, there surely are certain it's the people ribs sticking out the side of the face. I didn't look into the the science of it. I was too busy looking at cool stuff. I think that's going to be a strong excuse through this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I didn't read any science, but, but it is something I learned. There is a school of people that don't think the king cobra is a technically a cobra species. Yeah, it's called not the king cobra cobra school. No, it's not. No, it's not. I really hoped that it was. <laughs> no, I meant school as in like school yeah, of thought, I know. not a literal physical school. <laughs> Just dedicated to banishing the idea that the king cobra is a cobra. <laughs> Teacher, we did this lesson yesterday. <laughs> we do it every day. <laughs> Okay, so sorry, explain this to me more. So people are arguing about what actually technically defines a cobra in terms of the genus and the species. Sure. So there are people who include 270 species and like, you know, it's it's a little easier to get in. And there are some people <laughs> who have like a bouncer at the door and they check IDs and it's only 28. And some people think that the king cobra is not a cobra. Yeah. The people who think the cobra genus is really specific, I don't think the king cobra fits into it. But it... I just Googled it and it looks like a cobra. Actually, it looks like a quintessential yeah. cobra. Yeah. Well, that's also because the king cobra is one of the most famous snakes in the world. So, it's sort of like just become our definition of a cobra. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, why don't they think it belongs? Again, I don't know. Science reasons. Good. <laughs> yeah. For science. <laughs> Let's continue on to some fun facts. Yeah, good. That I do have. King cobra is the longest venomous snake in the world. Oh, really? It can How? reach up to six meters long, which is insane because I always thought cobras were like quite medium sized in venom. <laughs> yeah, damn. The Caspian cobra, this is actually, I, I have some science stuff actually. Oh, nice. The Caspian cobra is the most venomous cobra in the world and its venom has anti cancer properties. That's upsetting for us. Apparently, over 100 years of research has gone into understanding snake venom and anti cancer. Hmm. But obviously, for a long time, the venom has counteracted the cancer. It's like, yeah, we cured your cancer, but, but your heart you're dead. Sucks. Yeah. Are, are cobras among the most poisonous of all schnicks? Yeah. The Caspian cobra is. Ooh, actually, deadly. We, sh- we should be saying venomous, not poisonous. That's probably. Venomous, you're correct. They, they are lethal to humans. Yeah, ouch. What are, what are the symptoms? I have a long, long list. Um, but before I get to the symptoms, I'm still talking about anti-cancer. Carry on. So, snake venom's anti-cancer properties mm-hmm. can block ion channels, inhibit angiogenesis, <laughs> and they activate intracellular pathways, inducing apoptosis. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. And I spoke to my wife, who was a scientist, and mm. she confirmed that that is not gibberish and actually makes quite a bit of sense and is cool. That, that, uh, that's great. But we, we don't know what it is. So. No. So the way they define that it is the most venomous cobra mm. is they measure the lethal dose and it has the lowest lethal dose. So how much of it, yeah. its venom does it take to kill you? And it's 
0.005 milligrams per kilo is how much it would take to kill zero, zero, an adult human. Milligrams per kilo. That's not very many. No. Do you want my long list of symptoms? Uh, yeah, starting from the most upsetting to the least upsetting. Most upsetting, uh, I guess it would probably be paralysis of the throat. Oh, that is quite upsetting. Yeah. Then probably the next worst limb, limb paralysis would be pretty bad. So there's a lot of maybe pro- as bad as throat. There's a lot of paralysis going on. Ataxia, hypotension, drowsiness, weakness, and severe neurotoxicity. Ugh. If you don't get medical treatment, you could die due to respiratory failure. Because of all the paralysis. Right. It can, if it is left untreated, can reach the heart and paralyze the heart, which is re- what causes respiratory failure. The heart I, is just like, eh. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> is that, eh, eh. Uh, yeah, okay, so I should avoid cobras. We we should avoid cobras. I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, good. Yeah, I have one more pretty pretty upsetting fact, but it's I thought it was interesting. Um, <laughs> I love this upsetting is, facts. <laughs> this is snake bites, not just cobra bites. Mm-hmm. In the last 20 years, how many people do you think have died from snake bites in India alone? Oh, no. That's where they have all the cobras that they didn't. That's where all the snakes are. <laughs> In how many years, sorry? 20 years, um, and this is all snakes. How many people have died from them? 800,000. Oh, pretty good guess. No. 1.2 million. What? Yeah. That's so many people. Yeah, and about a third of those were from cobra bites. That They should introduce something where people can kill the cobras and get a reward in order to reduce the numbers. <laughs> Some economist in Germany's ears just perked up. What? His big horse ears. <laughs> um, so it's basically because they have a monsoon season. So after that, the snakes are a lot more spread out and a lot more aggressive. Right. And it's in a lot of rural areas, so they can't get to anti-venom and treatments within a couple of hours. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's a lot of... Well, what? how many people is that a year? That's like mul- many a day. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot of people. Do, what do you say? 1.2 million? 1.2 million over 20. Yes. 60,000 people a year. That's 165 people a day. That's pretty nuts. That's... <laughs> Ah, oh, yeah, I'm never going to India. It's a lot of snakes. Because of all the snakes. It's Good food, though. The snakes? There is cobra cobra venom. Is it vodka or just it, spirit no, in we did We did that in Vietnamese street food. Yeah. yeah you yeah, eat yeah. the heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, people do. I don't know if I would. <laughs> no, you, Lloyd. Eat, <laughs> eat the heart. Do it. Everyone else gets like normal Cobra Venom vodka and there's one guy like, you eat the heart. Like, I don't want to eat the heart. Chop, boy, do it. I want the vodka. Nah, probably, like I'd rather eat the heart. Vodka's gross. I, my, I'd always try anything once. <laughs> really? But if I don't like it, I don't want to be told to try it again. You would do anything once? I, like food-wise, like I wouldn't eat poo. <laughs> but if there was something that was widely accepted in an area as food, I would try it. Yeah, okay. Very brave. We watched an episode on, on bugs and being food yesterday. Sounds like it's going to be the savior of the world. Oh, you said an, ep- an episode of, of, of what? Do you know Jonathan Van Ness? Oh, his Curious show? Yeah. Is it good? It's really good. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, we, yeah, we watch Queer Eye 
Yeah, we do as well. God, I love I love him so much. It show like makes he brings me cry such the joy. Most. <laughs> oh my god! I was sitting watching it with Kim the other day, and I literally I was like, I have to go because yeah, I need to. My brain is again. can't handle with these emotions right now. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's a great show. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That's a thing. Have you eaten bugs before? No. We talked. We've, I have. We, we've covered all this ground. Oh yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> Shut uh, up. Boys. I do have. I do have an interesting fact though from his his show. One pound of beef mm. takes about twenty five hundred gallons of water to get to your plate. Oh yeah, that's well known. One pound of like bug protein is one gallon of water. That is less. It's a lot less. It's pretty mm. cool. Pretty cool beans. Nope. Bugs. Pretty cool bugs. <laughs> All right, Lloyd. You got some um, Cobra stuff for me? Uh, n- no. I wanted Ooh. to know what other effects were named after animals. Oh, just any God, effect. so much more creative. I was just like, Cobras. Uh, new cobras. <laughs> no, I did this because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> I was like, that's a really interesting thing about the Cobra effect. And now I have nothing else. So I could, there was a big old list of, I, I think I just Googled, I don't even know, effects, like list of effects. <laughs> and it it's came a long up. list. Yeah, I scrolled through a lot. I read all of them. It was an A to Z list of like miscellaneous phenomena or effects. And so I read through all of them to find the ones that were related to animals. And here we go. (laughs) Uh, And away we go. First one is the Bambi effect, which is quite- Oh, can I guess them? It's quite, yeah, do it. It's quite obvious. Is that when an animal's mother is killed and they're left to fend for themselves? (laughs) No, I guess that's the obvious guess. Uh, It's the objection against the killing of animals that are perceived as cute or adorable. Oh, yeah, that is a, an interesting philosophical argument. Yeah, but I mean, it's fine if they're ugly or smelly. Yeah, like you. Ha! <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I haven't been killed yet, Lloyd, so I'm obviously adorable. Oh, it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Bambi effect. And then much cooler, the butterfly effect. Oh, yeah, the butterfly effect is really cool. Good movie, too. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, it is also a great uh, Australian prog metal band. Nice. So, the butterfly effect is part of chaos theory. Nice. Well delivered. I have one delivery thing and you say it nice every time I use it for anything. So, that feels great. Look, I'm easily pleased and I love you. So, I'm just happy for you. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. So, we probably don't understand this part of chaos theory because, you know, as unintelligent as that sounds, I think it's pretty complex. So, simply, in inverted commas put, it is the sensitive dependence on initial conditions in which a small change in one state of a deterministic nonlinear system can result in larger differences at a later state. Wow. And I didn't Did you click- come up with that? That was really good. Uh, yeah, yes, me and my friend w- w- Wiki. Um, I didn't <laughs> click on any of the links within the sentence. They were like, here, do you want to learn about deterministic nonlinear systems? And I was like, of course I don't. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but- one easy way to observe, think about it for dum-dums like us. It was observed by a dude called Edward Lorenz with the metaphorical example that the key details or characteristics of a tornado, such as the time of formation, the direction of travel, etc., being influenced by minor changes, such as a distant butterfly flapping its wings a few weeks earlier. Wow. Has he, has he mapped out that? That's not a real thing that's not a real thing that's happened. That's a metaphorical example. Yeah, I know it's his theory, but it would be cool if he'd mapped it out how it would be possible. Again, didn't click on any links. 
No. <laughs> Next. This is that's what I said before. This is gonna be a strong episode of <laughs> we didn't do the science for this, but here it is. <laughs> we never do the science for yeah, anything. It's okay. a miracle I got that much science. And I had to I had to verify it with the scientists. We said so many words that we don't understand. <laughs> the next one is the catfish effect. Is this like catfishing people online? Nope. It is not the one where you pretend to be a sexy model within the UCS <laughs> Instagram in order to steal someone's money. Oh, Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Wow, what a sell. But- yeah, we're a beautiful model. <laughs> All of us. But it is, in fact, a human resources management technique, which is way worse, to stimulate strong competition in teams such that everybody tries harder and gets better because, you know, competition is good so everyone's, like, switched on. Did catfish do that? Uh, the next one. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Uh, oh, no. It, oh, I did read it. It is because some fishermen may be... In Scandinavia, it's the sardine fishermen. They bring them back and they were always dead by the time they got back into port. Except for one guy who figured out how to do it. And what he did was put a catfish in the tank that just swam around. And so the sardines kept swimming away from the catfish. And so they like stayed alive and strong because uh-huh. of the competition in the tank. They didn't stagnate and die. Yeah, science. Right. Bam. Satisfied with that. Thank you. Good. Next, the eagle effect. Oh, God, it's such a cool animal. There's so many cool things. How could yeah, I, possibly I think it's, it down? I think a lot of them are actually named after people. It's like Eddie the Eagle. I don't know. Oh, Ed, we do a whole episode on him as well. So many interesting <laughs> things in this world. We, we have to do I'm, this I'm, episode first. <laughs> I'm still going to guess the eagle effect. Yeah, do it. You're wrong. Because it's named after a person. Uh, no, is it, is it based no way on the animal? No, of course not. Yeah. Okay. Then the eagle effect is when you are hungry... But there's no food, so, so you, you stop being hungry. So you eat eagles. Entirely incorrect. It is the reduced Damn. antibacterial effect of penicillin at high doses because of science. Um, <laughs> that old science. Edit again. <laughs> the hundredth monkey effect. So that, I guess that counts as like a hundred animal effects. Hundredth monkey effect is the hypothetical phenomenon phenomenon where a new behavior or idea is spread rapidly by unexplained means from one group to all related groups once a critical number of members of the one group start exhibiting that behavior even when the Uh groups are physically separate for example when enough people in our immediate group listen to the podcast then everyone will listen everywhere and we'll be kings of the world the hundred monkeys. Maybe yep. it should be called the hundred monkeys. That's a ah, oh, damn it. That is a good name. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this effect has been widely discredited since it was first popularized in the seventies. Sad face. Uh, I have a a cool monkey effect story experiment. Hit me. If you don't like animal experience, you may not you may not vibe with it. But they had a bunch of monkeys and they put a treat up some stairs, like some good food. Might yep. have even been bananas. And anytime a monkey went to get the banana, they sprayed all the other monkeys in the cage with water. So eventually that group of monkeys learned like, all right, you do not go and get the banana. You can't have the banana. So they put a new monkey in the cage and he went to get the banana and all the monkeys like grabbed him. Like, don't you fucking touch that banana. (laughs) Swear to God, you touch that. And eventually they cycled all of the monkeys out until it was all new monkeys. So none of these monkeys had ever been sprayed by water, but they... If a new monkey went to get the banana, they would, like, leap on him and grab him just because it was a a learned behavior. That is hectic. Pretty cool. Or not cool. I don't really know where we we fall on that yet. I don't know. The ostrich effect. I reckon you can guess this one. 
It's just burying your head in the sand to avoid yeah. complex and difficult decisions. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Ignoring negative information on your goals, such as investing. Or, for example, ignoring all criticism of your podcast and the larger UCSU and just carrying on. <laughs> well, we haven't received criticism, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Send us an email, people. Ostriches, though, fun fact, uh, no evidence that they've ever buried their head in the sand. Yeah, like where did that even come from? I don't know. Just one guy saw one ostrich doing it and was like, holy shit, every ostrich does this and we're going to name an effect after it. (laughs) What an idiot. This one's not an animal, but it's leaning into the strong throwback theme of this episode. The Tamagotchi effect. Oh, I like that. Why? Is it it like being (laughs) kids with technology being distracted thing? No. Are you going to tell me what it is? No. Oh, yeah is that the effect <laughs> <laughs> wow it is the development of emotional attachment with machines robots software etc etc because we're so oh, damn yeah. sentimental we get attached to things that cannot possibly have emotions like virtual pets yeah my wife and i do that all the time with just the most random like if my wife buys zucchinis and one of the three goes bad and she throws it out she feels bad that she's throwing it out and not the other two because she's leaving his friends <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> and if I name something like there's there's a highlighter on my desk. If I I am now naming this highlighter Harold, ah. I have now developed a sentimental attachment to Harold, and I won't be able to throw him away. Damn! Why did I do that? You guys would hate our fridge. <laughs> Things go bad in that thing all the time. Oh, us too. I don't feel bad for gun off food because it's dead. It's gone. <laughs> I guess so. And finally, the coolest of the effects: the wolf effect. Nice. Again, named after a person. Nothing to do with wolves. Tis. Is it named after Dick Wolf, the executive producer of (laughs) Law and Order SVU? (laughs) Best name in TV. (laughs) Dick Wolf. Uh, No, I don't think so. It was probably named after a science person. Tis a frequency shift in the electromagnetic science. (laughs) Shit, spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Science, 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 science. (laughs) A frequency science in the electroscience science. (laughs) Shit. And what does that that mean? Oh, after that, I wrote plus lots of extra explanatory science. (laughs) Write to us about it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Any scientists listening want to explain these to us? Not not against that. I don't think scientists are <laughs> our target you, demographic. Nah, as long as you keep it short and fun though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit I don't to want to it. fucking learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing too deep. I'm all about shallow learning. Yeah. And that's it. Nice. That's all the effects. It's not all the effects. It's all the animal. <laughs> that's effects. it. That's every effect humankind has ever come up with. We did it, Lloyd. <laughs> Oh lordy, uh, is that is that time on 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 part one? That is time on part one. We're gonna put a pin in a cobra. <laughs> oh, shouldn't do that. You might get bit and die. Especially That's why so many people get bitten. If you <laughs> stop putting pins in cobras, that is a UCSU health tip. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, yeah, it is time for an old segment. Oh, it's old now. That's good. Well, it's we've nice got a brand new segment. T- <laughs> Time actually moves in the UCSU. (laughs) Very slowly. I'm just figuring out how to use the social medias, so you should introduce it. I'm picturing Rob squinting and leaning really close to his computer, typing Twitter into Yahoo. (laughs) To ask Jeeves. (laughs) Uh, While Rob's getting that up, I will introduce hashtag. (laughs) God damn it. I was just introducing (laughs) 
Hashtag upper tweeting. You did it. It's where we tweet at people who are far above our standing socially, financially, professionally, in the hopes that uh, maybe they'll come on and say some funny stuff with us. Indeed. Hasn't worked yet. Don't know if anyone likes it. Haven't had any feedback, but we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, well, of course. Do whatever we want. It's our podcast, by the way. Yeah, true. Creative license, son. Son? Oh, man. Stand by. You got to scroll through all of the tweets I've tweeted. Yeah, because you are active. Trying to build that brand, son. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Just reading some of your tweets. You commented on someone that was like, if you're trying to improve your ums, buts, ahs, and likes when interviewing or being interviewed, the best thing you can do is listen back and read the transcripts with those improvements in mind. You just replied, or just edit them out and never improve. (laughs) Yeah. She also responded to that. She said, that's true. Like, very patronizingly, I felt. <laughs> you idiot. Oh, my goodness. I, you need to stop. <laughs> All right. Well, I found it. <laughs> We've introduced the segment and then dicked around for 10 minutes. Who did you toot upon? I twouted. So, myself and my wife relatively recently got sucked into the speedy world of F1 racing. <laughs> Very good. Thanks. It's only second to your <laughs> first running feat <laughs> from like yeah, episode, yeah. I don't know, four or something, three, six, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, it's the- so we're now huge F1 fans having never, ever been into car racing because of Netflix's Drive to Survive. And obviously the best F1 racer is the Australian captain, Daniel Ricciardo, who I have twouted upon this week. I know that you tweeted him and we want him on the show, but is he the best? I said. <laughs> he's from Perth, isn't he? Yeah, he's a Perth. He's just yeah. like super lovely. He's pretty funny, uh, but no, he doesn't win that much. But that's fine. Saw, saw him do a shoey once when he was on the podium. That was pretty I, funny. I think he's done it multiple times. <laughs> Would you like to explain what a shoey is to our American listeners? It's where you put beer in a shoe and you drink it. It's stupid. No one should really do it. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> I twouted, hey, Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> Strong start. Man, I am good at this. You go fast. <laughs> you go fast. We go silly. Let's talk shit. Join us on the Unintelligent Chat Show podcast for a guaranteed fast silly time. <laughs> Hashtag upward tweeting. Hashtag zoom zoom. I did it, Lloyd. Social media. <laughs> you go fast is one of my favorite intros to an upward tweet. I love it. You go fast. We go silly. Two whole sentences. Because I also, I love that... Uh, imagining him like sitting in his mansion scrolling through twitter and he sees it and he's like oh (laughs) would you look at that speaking of him sitting in his mansion oh yeah i imagine he still is i got nothing ah yeah sweet what did you learn this week rob what did you research in a deep scientific and philosophical way in an incredibly rushed and last minute way lloyd this week (gasps) (laughs) Blowing ourselves wide open. Blowing ourselves. (laughs) 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 This week, I learned about Stoffel, the honey badger. I was so excited when you told me this. I didn't know about it until I saw a Mimi. (laughs) Just leaning into this persona where I know nothing about the internet. Somehow managed to record a podcast across continents. <laughs> 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 Don't know how to use social media. Classic. 
So the honey badger is one of my two favorite animals in the world. So I'm very excited to. What more. is the other one? Wolf. Yeah, fair enough. I'm a, I'm a straight white millennial man with all the <laughs> favorites. Like everyone's favorite animal is the wolf because we're basic. I don't like wolves. You love wolves. Don't even lie to me about that. They're fine. Uh, okay. So turns out what I learned this week, as has just been told, you were very excited about it, was quite a popular meme for a while and also a well-known story, but it still great. So I rolled with it. The popularized version that appeared on the picture of a defiant looking honey badger that I saw read thus a honey badger called Stuffle nearly died when it escaped from its enclosure to attack a pair of lions <laughs> after getting out of hospital the first thing Stuffle did was escape again in order to attack the lions <laughs> Stuffle was then put into a new enclosure in order to protect the lions <laughs> It's so good. And if you don't know what a honey badger is, just whip out your mobile device, get onto the interwebs uh, and Google them. They are mean looking little mofos. It's a tiny little ball of muscle and anger. Yeah. And their faces just look angry. And they've got like a sweet racing stripe down the back. It's wild. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. They're straight up badass animals. And so I dug and I dug and I dug with my little paws. And it turns out (laughs) that all of this is true. So, the background. Brian Jones is a person and he runs a well-established wildlife rehabilitation center called... Oh, shit. Uh, Moholoholo. Moholoholo. It's just got a lot of O's in it. <laughs> that really tickled me. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, I thought I'd mess it up, but that's right. Moho Laholo, which is, uh, it's just the name of it. It's, it means something in uh, a language. And it's near Kruger National Park in South Africa. So in the late 90s, Brian, who runs this rehabilitation center, rescued a honey badger and brought him to Moho Laholo. <laughs> <laughs> what well, honey badger needs rescuing? Let me finish. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's not entirely clear, but he had either been caught in a trap, or more likely had been hand raised from when he was a small, hun- smaller, a baby honey badger by a farmer, uh, and was now causing chaos as an adult honey badger in this farmer's house, and so was given up. Or it may have been both. Maybe he was that and then got caught in a trap. Blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. He got rescued. Okay, and he's obviously got a lot going on. Yeah. And he can't just be released into the wild because I think when they imprint on humans or like as small cubs or whatever you want to call them, badgelets, (laughs) when a small badgelet, like, you know, instead of imprinting upon its mother and its own kind, it imprints upon a person, uh, then it's, you know, can't really survive in the wild, hence ends up at this rehabilitation center. So Stuffle which is a great name. It was a good name. Yeah. Initially housed with a couple of females uh, in like an open range area, but they were eventually released to the wild. Once the females were gone, the chaos begins. (laughs) So he got into various enclosures at the center and killed a number of animals, including an adult tawny eagle. (laughs) He visited the lodge that they have on the property as well, where people come and stay and chased all the kitchen staff out in order to steal, steal their snacks. And he broke into various guest houses and was rummaging through bags and shit. And people were like, oh, I got a honey badger and ran away. So Brian then puts him in a big fenced off nature enclosure with a lady friend called Hammy. 
Hammy? Like H-A-M-M-Y. Hammy. Like that sandwich is a bit hammy. It has too much ham in it. Thank you for that. In order to, you know, just maybe he'll be too busy hanging out with Hammy to get up to mischief. Instead, he convinces Hammy to get up to mischief with him. And they break out of this, like, wire gate that's got two locks on it, two latches. One of them climbs up and undoes the latches while Stoffel pushes the gate in order to make sure it swings open. And then they both get out. So, that's the source of the main story. Out of that enclosure, he went and got into the lion enclosure. (laughs) Tried to fight them, uh, and, <laughs> oddly enough, got mauled by these lions, um, and ended up spending two months in their like care clinic because he'd been mauled. Fair enough. And then it was all good. Was put back in his closure, locked the gates again. Upon which he escaped in order to get back to the lions, probably to seek vengeance. <laughs> you have to imagine it was something. Yeah, like that. Oh my god, that's what he was thinking about. Two months in hospital, <laughs> just stewing, just gonna get those punk ass kittens. <laughs> And Brian's like, all right, this is dumb. <laughs> so he purpose builds a concrete walled 2,500 meter square enclosure for him. And it's, it's filled with nature things. It's not just like a bare prison cell, <laughs> which he almost immediately escapes from. It was written by, <laughs> by Brian himself within hours. He's climbed a tree and just like leaned the branches over to get to the top of the wall and be like, all right, see ya. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So the trees are then trimmed so they can't lean to the hedge. At which point he gets a bunch of rocks, piles them up against a corner of the wall and climbs out. <laughs> they Ugh. remove all the rocks from the enclosure. He starts making his own rocks out of mud, like not rocks, but like mud balls and does the same yeah. thing. So this Stoffel honey badger is wildly resourceful. He sounds amazing. Yeah, ridiculous. It's written that he's not desperate to escape. You know, animal activists like, the poor honey badger needs to be in the wild. Uh, He can't live in the wild. He's not desperate to escape because his enclosure is too tiny and he's being mistreated. Once he gets out of his enclosure, he would mostly just wander around the park and end up back at, like, Brian's house on the park and just be like, try again, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds to me like he... It just needs stimulus. Like you get toys yeah. for dogs that make them think. He just like likes just problem solving. Loves escaping. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he just became more internet famous than we ever will be. Uh, and and yeah, lived. He's amazing. Lived the dream. So I think the kind of end of the story is he eventually settled into his fame. Got jiggy with Hammy. Had a son called Stompy. Another great name. <laughs> amazing. Um, and then sources become a little murky. I believe, but cannot verify that, unfortunately, I think he may have died last year due to old old age. Yeah, I wrote that. Rest in peace. They live a pretty um, genuine rascal. Yeah, I think 24 or 25 years is is typical. I also remember anecdotally hearing that someone who works at that park left a rake in his enclosure once and he leaned that up against a wall. At Moholoholo. Yes, I also read that. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Such a great, just like set of stories. So good. What an amazing little creature. So then all I did was read about honey badgers after that. <laughs> I, have, I, have I, nothing, I have nothing different. <laughs> I have more on honey badgers than I do on my own fact. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> Given they're your favorite animals, what, what are your, what are your top notch honey badger factoroonies? Oh, my favorite ones. Mm. Mm. They have a molecular mutation. Oh, you know no. 
it prevents snake venom from entering their cells. I did know that. I just didn't call it a molecular mutation. Yeah. But that's so, amazing. Oh, I wrote um, that. Instead of the science, I wrote, they have another superpower. They're largely immune <laughs> to snake venom. <laughs> yeah, it makes them uh, sleepy. So they sleep it off, whereas it would kill us. And we're four times, five times bigger than them. Yeah. Oh, and because they're immune to snake venom, they actually eat a bunch of cobras. <laughs> which Yeah, we it's like one about. of their main diets. Yeah. <laughs> What a wildly interlinked episode. Yeah. They have such powerful jaws, although I couldn't find it. And I realized in the end, I found someone say that their jaw strength has never been tested in a lab environment. So we don't have like a PSI like we do for crocodiles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But they can eat turtle shells without any trouble and they eat the whole animal. So they eat bones as part of their normal diet. So we have to Uh, imagine they've got pretty strong little jories. Yeah, chompers. Yeah. They have another name. Uh, radl, I try to say that in an African accent. Is radl? Maybe it's don't. Afrikaans. <laughs> well, it's South African. Uh-huh. Afrikaans. It means rattle, which makes sense. Oh, because they make funny noises, right? Yeah, because they. I, I even watched a YouTube video, so they growl like you would expect an animal yeah, with teeth and a growl, an, an especially angry animal. <laughs> yeah, and then so they growl outwards, and when they breathe inwards, it makes this like clicking, rattling sound, which is pretty uh, cool. Creepy. Like yeah. a predator. Yeah, a rattle. I also didn't realize that Afrikaans is like a Dutch language. Oh, wow. That's pretty dumb mm. of you. I got more, but let's let's trade off. Oh, yeah, we'll go one for one. All right. This one's not like a particular honey badger fact, but I saw a YouTube video of two honey badgers fighting a pride of lions and, and winning. So good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so small and wiggly and full of rage. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, we know that and Stoffel has uh, experiences that a lion can kill a honey badger. And they often, like lions, hyenas, yeah. they often hunt and kill honey badgers. They're not invincible. But honey badgers are so aggressive, yeah. they just intimidate other animals. And apparently, I read somewhere that they are tireless combatants. Like, they never fatigue. So, they just wear down larger opponents. They just keep going. Yeah, and also that they, like, fight to, to the death. <laughs> yeah they have a genuine guinness world record for being the most fearless yeah. animal in the world it's amazing <laughs> so they ne- like you said they never back down and they will fight fiercely to the death even if their opponent doesn't give an- give up so they've fought, yeah. been observed fighting in the wild everything from like hyenas to lions to snakes to like buffaloes and rhinos yeah stupid honey badgers we're doing one for one lloyd not one for silence <laughs> I thought it was you. Uh, they have the fourth thickest hide in the entire animal kingdom. Oh, what's thicker? Rhino, which is way, I mean, <laughs> rhino, like- giraffe, and elephant. They're way thicker. It's not. It's not giraffe. like close. Giraffe like around thick- around their neck. Have you seen giraffes? How they fight? Oh, they just like bash their heads necks together, right? Yeah. Yeah, that skin around their neck is insanely ah, thick. That's like m- multiple centimeters thick. I actually didn't know that. That's a great side side hustle fact yeah and then rhinos insanely like six centimeters yeah ridiculous but honey badgers are four thicker than a buffalo yeah and their skin is at least three times thicker than us that says it's about six millimeters but it can get a lot thicker than that based on like wear and tear and how many walls they're in i wrote that they're so ferocious because they are the animal equivalent of bulletproof so they have super thick hides but also apparently their skin is like really loose yeah i read that as well so they're like they're really flexible. And in the video of the honey badgers fighting the lions, 
like I saw that video and then I read this and this explained it. They're easily able to shrug off bites from big jaws. So like these lions like grabbing the honey badgers in their lion jaws, but they kind of just like wriggle and get out of it because they end up just gripping skin, which is nothing. Yeah. And it's it's almost like a suit. They can move inside their skin. Yeah, it's really weird. And then the lioness like grabs a badger by the back in her jaws, but because of its skin, it wriggles around and is able to just like turn around and bite her on the nose. And she's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's I read that when it's bitten, it can wriggle out of the mouth just so it can bite back. Yeah. (laughs) Slippery, angry little bastards. Yeah. And they they aren't badgers. Fun fact. Oh, aren't all badgers like weasels or something? Well, they're not related to what we would call a badger from like Britain. Ah, they're not at all. No, which, well, they might be a little bit, but not in any sort of like familial way, which yeah, makes sure. sense because badgers in Britain are very friendly and polite and courteous. <laughs> like from that book. Exactly. Bird and badger. They're much more closely related to the wolverine, which makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then in brackets, I put Hugh Jackman versus a honey badger. <laughs> <laughs> would watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuffle versus Wolverine. Yeah, good. <laughs> they actually, they're, they're, they're genuinely into honey. Oh, yeah. So, they just like tough up and raid beehives for the honeycomb and the bee larvae. And because of their ridiculous skin, bee sting's not really an issue. I mean, if an if like an arrowhead or a spear can't penetrate a little bee sting, it's like nothing. Then <laughs> on Google, was, you know, it has all the dumb questions that someone's Googled at some point. It was yeah. like... Can you kill a honey badger? <laughs> well, you can't. And it was like, yes, they have tough hides, but a good solid hit to the head or a gunshot will kill them. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but that would work on most things. Yeah, it's a bit of a boner kill. <laughs> That's probably not the right word. <laughs> oh, fuck, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> not many people are. When- <laughs> When it happens. Oh, jeez. Because <laughs> a gunshot wound would yeah. be a bone. You'd have kill. to imagine it would. Although rigor mortis, I don't know. <laughs> I'm harder than ever. <laughs> Rock solid. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. But, uh, moving on. God. <laughs> Oh, I uh, almost left my microphone off the desk. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Uh, Carry on. With, with the honey, they have a partnership. I forget what, what the bird is, but the species Business of bird. partnership? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, damn. So these birds will find beehives, and uh-huh. then they'll, they'll sing or tweet or make noise to attract honey badgers. <laughs> At honey badgers, found beehive. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> OMW. <laughs> Oh, so God. the honey badger comes and with its strength and claws and genu- genuine invincibility not a fuck nature, except for gunshots. Yeah, rips open the beehive, eats a bunch of honey and lava, but always leaves <laughs> enough so that the birds can then come in and take what they need. Yeah. What is the yeah. bird? Sorry. Yeah. I, I forget what the bird is. Uh, one with wings and a beak, probably. I assume so. Mm. Uh, speaking of those relationships, I think they're called symbiotic relationships. God. Maybe. It's good science. Thank you. Do you know it was pretty fairly, uh, good Lord, pretty common <laughs> knowledge a while back that 
you see buffaloes with those birds on their back and the yeah. birds are like eating the bugs. Yes. Turns out that is not a symbiotic relationship. It's a parasitic relationship. Oh. The birds actually peck at the hide and create wounds, which then attracts bugs and then they eat the bugs. Uh, oh, really? So they're actual uh, yeah. dicks. They're mean. They're awful. <laughs> Horrible. Poor Horrible. buffalo. Horrible. Bu- oh. oh, good. A couple of other ones. I think you probably know, but uh, as if Stuffle wasn't example enough, honey badgers are super smart animals. They use tools like a lot of animals don't. Uh, they can work mechanisms, all that stuff, which is, you know, obviously demonstrated in Stuffle's Houdini routine. Oh, Houdini routine. Nice. But yeah, like they can, they use tools to do stuff. They're like figure stuff. They're like super smart, angry little animals. Yeah, which I read is pretty rare. In the like genus, that well, yeah, I mean the only th- only things that really use tools are, are primates, right? Pretty yeah, much. like a lot of their cousins are quite small brains and do minimal problem solving, but yeah, for just, some reason they've just evolved to be really aggressive and smart. Yeah. <laughs> do you think they became aggressive because they were smart? <laughs> they understood the world and it made them angry. <laughs> oh, I feel that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned that I read it, they didn't write it down. So they're, I think they're technically a kind of weasel or they're related to weasels more than they are to like the classic british badger but they have for some reason just much larger brains physically larger yeah. brains than their weasel cousins that are just aggressive and dumb <laughs> yeah i wonder if due to their living in the african sahara there's a lot more carnivorous predators i wonder if it's survival of the fittest like the smart honey badgers survived did you mean to say the savannah no i said sahara they live Isn't in the desert? In Africa? I don't know. I don't think so. Africa. They live in Africa. <laughs> yeah. But there's lots of scary things in Africa. Yeah, lots of true. animals that could eat them. So maybe it's like evolutionary wise, they've just become smart because of that. Like what's a Euro- European badges have to fear? Taxes? Tea? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my last couple of fun things. Uh, they're wildly aggressive as we have strongly established, but they're also total psychopaths. <laughs> not just aggressive total psychopaths so they're smart and tough they've been known to break into chicken coops and livestock pens so not just in the wild like near habitated areas and they have been observed engaging in surplus killing so destroying and killing more than they can realistically eat or take with them for young oh. and there's one report of a single honey badger breaking in to a farmer's coops and killing 36 chickens and 17 ducks. Wow. In one outing. Good Lord. Like straight murderous rampage. Is that is that maybe like a competition thing? Like if I eat all the food then, or if I ruin all the food, then no one else can have it? I don't know. They're, they're probably pretty smart. They're actually, it's part of their plan to destroy all human life. Destroy the food source, <laughs> kill the people. Yeah. I'm all for it. Oh. Just you wait till the honey badger's standing over you, shooting you in your boner. <laughs> Cut that bit. <laughs> I think it was a it was a reach around. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Now you have to keep it. <laughs> I did it again. I have one more. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is a bit of a reach around. Um, <laughs> it is not, only a theory. It's not becoming a thing. <laughs> it's only a theory. Oh, it's, it's not proven. But there are some people in the scientific community that think cheetah cubs may have evolved their coat to mimic that of a honey badger because predators are so 
averse to fighting honey badgers. No. Do cheetah cubs look like honey badgers? No, but they're, they're, <laughs> if, if they're like... If you squint if your eyes. Their back, they, I think they've got a single stripe running down their back. Right. So there's some evidence, some people that correlation. think Correlation. I reckon that's uh, a coincidental yeah. correlation. I said it was a theory. <laughs> Whoa, hello. Get out of my ear holes. <laughs> Um, and into your bu- anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this has gone downhill. Uh, and to end on a, a, a cute, sweet note, as is good. normally the case, but I didn't expect it after everything else I learned about them. Before I wrapped up, I, I googled baby honey badgers badgelets. I think we settled on. Ooh, and this nice. this they're still pretty cute. It's worth looking at. Like unless they're unless they look, they're snarling, <laughs> in which case they look deranged. Normally they look they're pretty cute little things. Oh my god, they're so cute. <laughs> we'll try and put one up on Twitter. Yeah. Do you think the word for baby badger Ah oh, I just typed in baby badger and British badgers are way cuter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The other thing about the, the Oh honey look badger, at them. They're so cute. Adult honey badger <laughs> like Sorry. They're Alright, I'm gonna Google baby badger. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh look at his paws. Right? That is cute as shit yeah way cuter than baby honey badgers <laughs> i wow. take that back they're ugly as shit what i was gonna say is that adult honey badgers mm. they're, they're just like really really nicely proportioned as a predator I just think they look aggressive and and athletic and strong yeah they, they do that they're, they're, they're not friendly looking no and they also they they have ears but their ears are actually tucked behind a thick flap of skin in the back of their head which some people think might be to avoid them being ripped off during fights or maybe to stop them getting uh, tangled because they dig burrows. Oh, yeah. Smart. So that's why they have such smooth heads. Damn. And on that note, that's episode three, wrapped in the bag. Put a bow on it. And send it to your mama. (laughs) Shan, you'll be receiving a package full of badges. (laughs) Hopefully not honey badges. Indeed. All right. Well, that was fun. I learned a lot, and I enjoyed learning about cobras and honey badgers. Yeah, it was great. Excellent. Thanks, uh, thanks, y'all, for joining us. And uh, we'll we'll be back next week with more chaos. In the meantime, and exactly, if you want to share your own personal experiences with honey badgers, (laughs) oh god, please do. (laughs) (laughs) We're on Twitter at the UCS Pod, and we're on Instagram at the UCS Podcast. And we're on email, the UCS podcast at gmail.com. Also, snail mail, Lloyd's address is. <laughs> not doing that. Downing Street. <laughs> I don't remember the number. What's the number? Air Force One. <laughs> it's America, right? Yeah, just make it out to the president. <laughs> Good. Well, that was excellent. Have a wonderful whatever, and we'll see you all next time. Cheerio.